Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. This is our once-a-week program, recapping and reviewing everything that went down in the wonderful world of Hollywood and getting you ready for the news that you may come to expect this week from the entertainment industry. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host Also Mike. Also Mike, I'm fatigued. There's a lot of movie watching. The word beleaguered comes to mind. It's not a word I use often, but I'm going to use it here. I feel like we're beleaguered today. We're beleaguered today, <laughs> and we didn't realize or at least I didn't realize mm. that we added an hour of sleep. <laughs> yes, that was a surprise to you as a, as a little bit ago. Yeah. This morning when I was like, all right, I'm going to leave my alarm. Just uh, not going to set an alarm and I'm going to wake up and get the sleep I need to get. Uh-huh. And then I was really proud of myself for getting up at like 8.30. Am I Superman? I'm Superman. Wow, I guess I'm, you know, I'm an adult. I am refreshed. <laughs> yeah, uh, happy daylight saving. So that one hour of sleep that we did all get extra, mm-hmm. we can all now trade in that one hour for a miserable season of darkness coming at 4 p.m., which is a fair trade, right? I hate this country. Anyway. I have to walk my dog at, like, 6 p.m. every day. This is I, I hate it. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was at the courthouse, not to, we'll never get started on this episode. That's no. what this today's going to be. When I was at the courthouse, I would get in the dark, and I would leave at 5 p.m. and be dark, and it would just blow your brains out territory. Uh, I can't live like this. I can't uh, do it. So, anyway, uh, let's talk about some entertainment stuff, maybe some up- uplifting stuff. We have nothing but fun reviews for what we're watching today, right, Mike? Well, <laughs> this is what we're watching. Thank you. And I ha- I'm up and down this week. Right. I-, I really like some things and I really dislike some things. Here's a movie that I had both feelings, both set of feelings for. Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. Definition of a sequake. Sequel. That's also a remake. Nice. Elements of Terminators 1 and 2 in the plot. Mm-hmm. It mostly works story-wise. I think whenever you have a villain that, that-, that is that formidable, yeah. that's going to help your story. Sure. This is an unstoppable force, an unbeatable villain, seemingly. Well, villains are what I remember from action flicks mostly yes, anyway, no? So. Yes, it's so important to have that. Yeah. And you have likable heroes. I really rooted hard for these heroes. You got the nostalgia factor with Linda Hamilton and Arnold, and who doesn't want to see them back? That's how I feel about it. I'm just, I'm happy that we have. If this is the end of the Terminator franchise, which when we get to box office update, mm. I'm going to say it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to know we're going out on a note that's not just pure, unadulterated crap. It's not pure. Yeah. It's not crap. It, it, it's pretty strong in terms of the action. You get Mackenzie Davis showing some serious action star She's chops awesome. here. Yeah. I loved uh, some of these sequences. They were Isn't that crazy? Awesome. I had no doubt that she would be able to pull off being an action star. No, she, she, She's got such a physical presence. Yeah. My God, she's a great athlete. I was really impressed with her. And then there's moments in this movie that are genuinely hilarious. So that's a huge help. The problem with this film is that every single character has at least two exposition dumps where it should be prefaced like, I'm going to dump a lot of exposition for you now. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That was your Mackenzie Davis? The screenplay (laughs) holds this movie back and it's very unfortunate because half the dialogue is just garbage. That's that's what... Uh, Yeah, yeah, but like, that's Terminator 2, right? It's Terminator 1. Well, Terminator also, I mean. Terminator as well. That's part of, (laughs) like, the the dialogue isn't really great on this franchise. Correct. Correct. And 
that I'm rolling my eyes throughout half of this movie, sure. and I'm still wanting to like it, and I'm still enjoying the set pieces. So it's like a B minus for me. Good, it's That's it, solid. It's strong. I, I'm I've got my uh, goods delivered, the ones that I wanted. So I, I'm happy. And it needed it. a return to form. It needed a return to kind of somewhat kind of relevance. I don't know that it got there. Uh, Nationwide, the numbers were not that great, but we'll talk about better it. better than I feared. Yeah, let's just say I watched The King on Netflix, Timothy Chalamet, and wow, Oscars movie, yes or no? No, but I, okay. I, I really enjoyed this, and I loved all the non-action scenes. So th- this movie falls with the action scenes. Unfortunately, there's a big battle; it's not up to scale. Interesting, and th- that that's sad. Like I wish they put the outlaw king sure. budget behind this one <laughs> or at least they put the the scale of it right it felt like season one game of thrones where you have a hundred extras and it's supposed to represent the entire kingdom all of that went just soaring over my they head. had a tourney you see <laughs> and it was the the tourney of the hand uh-huh. it was the hand's tourney and there was <sighs> jousting <laughs> mike th- there should be more than like you know 80 versus 80 in the fight for England and, Fran- I and France. Yes. England and France. Yes. It should be more than 50 guys on 50 right. guys. Sure. Agree. It looked like 50 guys on 50 guys. Gotcha. All that being said, Robert Pattinson's phenomenal. Timothy Chalamet is just terrific. I loved his brooding performance. Is he here. like a movie star here? I think he's just doing like one of those Oscar adjacent films. Okay. That's only going to help his credibility. Had the resume and, there. And he's starring in the movies in a ton of scene. He's in most of the movie. Good. He he's terrific. It's also you know, boosted by the fact that this is a Shakespearean story and you are reminded of the obvious that Shakespeare is one of the greatest storytellers of all time. So the build, this act one. It's a shame he never wrote his own material. This act one is just rousing. Well, Talk good, about a rousing good. act one. I loved it. I am a geek about all this history stuff, about all the uh, swords and sorcery, sure. fantasy stuff. You're big and medieval, yeah, big, yeah. I love all that. And, but, but this is like the kingdom is falling apart. We, and there's a lot of politics involved. I loved how the movie kind of explains some plot and explain some reasons to getting into this war, but then you're, like, unsatisfied with them. But that is the ticking time bomb of the third That's act. That's the point of them, yeah. That's the huh. point. So you're like, is this a plot hole? Did they just yada yada this? Or no, we got to reckon Comes with it. Comes back to bite you. Yeah. We got to reckon with it in Act Three, and that's the genius of Shakespeare. And I, I give this a B plus eighty seven. Oh wow! Joel, Joel Edgerton can really adapt the uh, adapt the work here. I, I'm very impressed with David Mycott. I, I, I love these guys, and, and Chalamet's great. And Chalamet's physical in this performance. Good. I mean, he's fighting, and he sells it. As like he's almost like the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, where he's just wiry, throwing himself desperate, fights dirty. So I was I was not expecting to see him be like convincing as an action movie kid at all, and he does it. I haven't seen a lot of reviews about this yet. I'm glad you're very high on it. I can't help but wonder because you are so high on it. If this wasn't this year, mm-hmm. if this wasn't the year where Best Picture seems to be wide open and so loaded, screenplays are starting to be quite formidable. Everyone's holding their best until the end of the year. Best actor is right. a joke. It's so loaded. If it wasn't this year, if this was like the Mudbound year, if this was last year for Netflix, would they be pushing and putting resources? If they didn't have the Irishman marriage story of the totally. two popes, would they be putting resources and pushing this to the forefront as like kind of their Oscars campaign? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just reading something about the last thing he wanted, the D. Rees movie, yeah. and they're like, the Netflix slate is just too crowded for this year. So right, it actually, is. She actually wanted the Sundance build up. She wanted to push it for sure. the next year. Sure, I think that's smart, honestly. They, they went with her on that, and it, you know they had the star power. 
power. They had Anne Hathaway. They had Willem Dafoe and Dee Rees, of course, you know, just building her reputation over the last 10 years. They didn't go with that. This movie is kind of lost in the shuffle, no question. If you told me this was the best Netflix had to offer a couple of years ago, I would have been like, good job, right, Netflix. We're, right. building, we're building up a portfolio here of some really strong Oscar-contending stuff. It's not going to contend. We right. know that. We're reviewing it on MMOW for a reason. MMO, the, the, whatever the, the, whatever show's the show's called. called. <laughs> and I, I'm a big fan of how this movie played out. Good. I, I, totally, totally watchable on Netflix. Glad to hear that. I watched Pavarotti, which is a strangely moving. Ron Howard really knows what he's doing. This is about how to make cheese, right? Luciano Pavarotti. On a treadmill? What a life he had. That's a Bloodhound Gang reference. I made it last week, too. <laughs> you did say that to me last week. <laughs> and I broke your balls about being lost in time in the early 2000s. It all comes full circle. I didn't know this guy went through the stuff he did. I didn't know he was kind of such a egomaniac in a way. And he, he had some things about him that... We're kind of over the top. I'm just hearing this for the first time. I'm, I I don't know it, but I'm not surprised. It's a loving portrayal <laughs> of like all his egomania. Okay. I would say so. They're kind of you know at an arm's length with all that. I enjoyed this. I imagine it's the same approach as like when they make the, the definitive Scorsese right. documentary. Like, right. You know. Yeah. He's 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 abrasive. Right. You know, he's that, that woman. But he's a genius, and he young. was beloved. And he's yeah. old. He's old, and that woman's too young. And <laughs> all right, fine. It's frowned upon. She's she is a beautiful human being, and they had a kid together, and great. It's a little strange. So it's the, the definitive Woody Allen documentary. No, 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 no. <laughs> She's like 24, 23, and okay. he's like 60, yeah. 65 or something. So whatever. Frowned upon, like I said. Yes. B86, strong doc. I liked it. You expect to have it, see any legs of with it come award season? It needs to get something sooner than later, and it hasn't been. Okay. I mean, it's a bio doc. We've seen yep. the Academy just snub its nose. Struggle there. Too many bio docs. Or, and really, more than one bio doc. Maybe it so. needed a little more Ruth Bader Ginsburg to be competitive. It does. Yeah. You know, what doesn't? Nah, that's true. American woman this is the sienna the right Uh, (laughs) sienna miller an american woman what an underrated career she's had i've been looking back over all her stuff true and it's just one thing after another it's just like she's really good in that she's really good in this she's really good in this other one and this movie made me emotional a couple times uh you are rooting hard for these characters which is a feat in itself and the screenwriting and the performances it's really all about her performance and I'm glad for that. I mean, it's a showcase kind of movie. Yeah, the mystery kind of hooks you in a little bit, but then it becomes secondary. And I, I don't like kind of how it unfolds, the story. Mm-hmm. Even though, all that being said, I still give it a B86 because she's so great in it. So it's more of a, a performance-driven piece. Oh, absolutely. Is this uh, Netflix? This is on VOD. Right VOD, now. okay. Yeah. $6. Worth, worth, worth the price of admission Good. there. I face my fears, Mike. I'm I'm proud of you. I watched The Perfection. Did you watch this before or after Halloween this week? I watched it uh, the day b- uh, before. All right, that, then it fits. It was the mood. You know, you get your mood. horror reps in. It was in. The Perfection and Nick's. <laughs> That's a dichotomy. <laughs> I've been watching Netflix and Knicks lately, and I watched a couple movies in the Knicks game. Why is that not this podcast, by the way? Netflix, Netflix and Knicks. And Knicks. <laughs> should do a whole special mm-hmm. with Andrew there. Uh, <laughs> Echo in the Canyon was another one I did the, that with as well. Perfection is gross, but not in a gross way I thought it was. And uh, points for ambition here. On-the-nose dialogue dooms this movie entirely. The actresses are, are good. Did you like the twist? Yeah, it was all right. But yeah. I was like, if a better script would have pulled this off. I agree. Like, I like the story. I, I like yeah. the components of the story. Like, that's cool. Yeah. And it did surprise me a couple different times. And I like the filmmaking 
of, of showing us go, uh, backtracking. Right. So I'm like a C plus, but the dialogue is such garbage that I'm mad. Which like, better oh. dialogue, The Perfection or Terminator Dark Fate? Oh. <laughs> well, Terminator C Dark... by speak. C by speak. <laughs> I am seeing... I'm not... I'm skipping... Perf- <laughs> The Perfection, because oh. it's that bad. Oh, wow, okay. But the Terminator Dark Fate at least has good jokes in there. Fair, all you right. You catchphrases, and you hit on two out of three every ke- every catchphrase, you know. Echo in the Canyon, just a really good music doc, and if you're lost in the 2000s or late 90s, I get lost in the late 90s, I think I'm a little older than you. Yeah. But this movie's about uh, 1960s California folk rock. Yeah. And that California sound from the Beach Boys to Beatlemania to the Birds, Mamas and Papas, Jacob Dylan and Fiona Apatow and company are like making this documentary. It's mo- mostly Jacob Dylan from the Wallflowers. Is this there. an adaptation? Do you know? I, th- I feel like I this is a book I was going to read. Uh, that, about at least the that music industry. Yeah, uh, well, about Laurel Canyon there and all the movies, the music that came out of it. In well, the it's a documentary. It's not. Right. So I don't know uh, if it's an adaptation. It's of a nonfiction book. Does that right. happen? Can I don't that know. Happen? I don't know either. I, don't, I have no idea. I just say things and hope other people catch so, on or straighten me so out. Documentary filmmakers are taking like nonfiction <laughs> hits in, in terms of the book, but anyway, they're totally worth watching. B minus, it's fine. Netflix and Knicks, I was I was in. <laughs> Talk about another Netflix and Knicks because uh, I watched two movies during one game. And thank God I did because the game sucked. And the How sucked. the games are only two hours long? No, they're like three hours. If you add a little post game where I can right. watch the highlights, it's they're like three hours long. But these movies are also like an hour twenty and right. ninety five right. minutes. Like we, we sure. have always lived in the castle is only an hour and thirty five minutes. It needed another ten minutes. I love this cast so much. Thaisa Farmiga is great. I need to see her in more things. She plays this strange character, really eclectic. She's like an amateur witch, which is really fun and strange and (laughs) awesome. And it worked for Halloween as well. Alexandra Daddario, though, is perfect in this. Perfectly cast, playing this over-the-top character, which I loved. And it's great to see Crispin Glover back and stuff. Yeah. He's he's mentally ill in this movie, and my God. He's awesome he when he's on. He's on, no question about it. And then Sebastian Stan, Stan comes in this and totally throws this plot out of whack, which is great. I don't like that it justifies agoraphobia, because I, I have a tinge of that myself. <laughs> Okay. I kind of just want to stay home and watch movies all the time, and I probably shouldn't. And they have this village. Again, this podcast. Right. They have this village of people. They're just disgusting, terrible human beings, one-note nightmares, like they're from the town of Derry. And that is like, come on. I mean, I don't buy that. And then you got the wealthy family dealing with them. So it's like a C-plus movie. This is uh, another VOD? This is Netflix. Okay. This is on Netflix. But it's a 29. So I'm over 2 in guessing? Yeah. <laughs> the Weekend and Family, these are both... VOD movies. Both are very blah. Both are C minus for me. SNL Sheer Zamata plays in The Weekend, and this just didn't work. It's just preposterous. It's a rom com setup where she is going, she's the third wheel of her ex boyfriend and her ex boyfriend's longtime girlfriend going back to her parents' house. Mm. And it's like the most awkward thing ever. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> and then you have Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black in Family, which is a terrible title, basically doing the Uncle Buck thing with her niece. And, of course, the niece has got to have her whole life just changed for the best. And then this Taylor Schilling character has got to figure out this niece's whole life and ch- and change his kid for forever. In one weekend, which is total bullshit. No, parents do that. The kid, the, the aunt, 
This is a fantasy from the aunt or the uncle. Right. Right. And this is Uncle Buck's the same thing, but it's a great movie. Yeah. But it, all right, the it's uncle's candy. show up and solve this kid's whole right. existence. I gotcha. The kid wants to become a juggalo. The kid what? has no friends. <laughs> yeah, that old chestnut. And here we go. Here we go. It's just ridiculous. Carrying the lead there. So, yeah, I think that this movie had the components there, and Taylor Schilling is, is really good in a lot of things. I just, I want Uncle Buck. I, I, I that's 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 usually where I land on most <laughs> reviews myself. There. All right, let's uh, do a quick see by skip here just to to wrap up. You had a lot of titles that you threw at us this week. We'll mm-hmm. avoid the good ones. I'm glad you had some stuff that you like. But let's talk about some ones you were kind of middling on. See by skip. We have always lived in the castle. Echo in the canyon and the perfection. See by skip those if you would please. Uh, I'm not watching the perfection again. I love the performances and we have always lived in the castle. So I'm probably buying that one, I guess. And I, I will see Echo in the Canyon again. I mean, it's just a perfectly fine... Cool. All know, right. I mean, that's probably where I expected guy. you to land, too. And I, I do want to see both Echo in the Canyon and We Have Always Lived in the Castle, not based on what you were uh, describing them as. What's, I, what's the best thing you watched this week, Mike? I did rewatch Apollo 11. I kind of mentioned that already yeah. strong. I rewatched Midsommar on Halloween Eve there. And wow, it's still very good. Still very good. Uh, showed it to a somebody that never seen it it was fun watching their reactions good and i think florence Pugh is phenomenal and it's it's just a movie that we we saw it and then we basically read everything on the internet yeah like we didn't re-watch it and study it like re-watch it like no. times the biggest takeaway i had is that the theory i had in the spoiler section yes. of our review totally doesn't that doesn't t- work t- i don't think it works yeah. because the flowers are not in a bouquet. Not the same flowers. Right. So it doesn't work. Does that matter to all our cool theories? I don't know if it does. So I still think like we were on with that Okay. in terms of connecting the plot. Right, right. Because I like to figure out the thinkers. Right. I do. But that one may not be there for no, you. No, yeah. it was kind of a you know, conspiracy a theorist. Down, yeah. So I was hoping for that. But then like once I got around that, I was like, all right, this is still really strong. Good. Good. All right. Well, that's a you know, a relatively uplifting uh what we're watching for you for you. I just dove headfirst into horror, and that's all pretty much I have other than Good. our JoJo Rabbit. Um I watched the Scream series, Scream one through four again. <laughs> what a shock. Listen. Scream 2 doesn't get nearly enough credit. Scream 2 is a fantastic sequel. And if it came out, if Scream came out like 10 years ago and Scream 2 came out like five years ago, Mm -hmm. we'd be raving about it to this day. I think it's a little ahead of its time. We love world building. We love unseen twists. Mm -hmm. We love like backstabbing and and these these kind of these these twists that are out of nowhere that nobody really sees coming. But when you think about them, they actually make sense and are at least plausible. Scream 2 has all of that. So it's like a great bedtime story where you're just caught back up again. It's a, yeah. it's a good story. And I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching this thing, and I'm thinking, as I'm watching like Scream 4, I'm like, why do I enjoy Scream 2 so much more than any of these three other films? Hmm. And it's for that reason. It just works. And by the way, since we're here, <laughs> I'm tired of the, the shit that Scream 3 gets. Really? Scream 3 is a fine movie. It's fine. All right, I'm tired of people putting piling bullshit on it, saying that the twist doesn't work, the killer reveal doesn't work. It's first of all, it's got the best interaction between Sydney and the killer in Act Three mm-hmm. out of any of the Scream movies. Mm-hmm. It at least tries, with all the production problems the story had to actually get made. It at least attempts to make a coherent trilogy out of the first three films, which is more than you could say for pretty much anything. I mean, Scream Two again, it works as a sequel. I don't know that it would work as like a Scream Four adaptation, right? But Scream 3 tries to make all three films work. Give it credit. I'm tired of it. 
Do you think if it was more of just a straight sequel, we'd be up to Scream 9 by now? I would be okay with us being up to Scream 9, well, so I would the, hope. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like me playing the movie suit for a right. second, like I wonder if that was like a, a misplay by them. Scream because, 3? I mean, think about Halloween. You know, the Halloween's kind of kept the thread going, the mm-hmm. serialization going just enough. They didn't try to wrap it all up in right. one trilogy. Wes Craven was tired of it. Maybe that's well, they, what it was. Yeah, I mean, 4 came out. Craven did 4 11 years after 3 came out. And it, I think the reason we don't have Scream 9 or Scream 5 for that matter, I think it's just the box office. I think it's purely numbers driven. Okay. Scream 4 came out. It only made like $97 million worldwide, I think, or something like that on, on what was a $40 million budget, I want to say. Yeah. So it probably lost money. But it was received better than Scream 3 was when Scream 3 came out in 2000. So... I think there's still something there if Kevin Williamson wanted to try to write a Scream 5, which he said in the past he has uh, an idea for. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they'd need. I mean, Craven obviously passed away a couple of years ago. I don't know who would take the helm. My, you know, I would, if Jordan Peele took this over, I'd do a backflip, but yeah. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, so I, I, you need to have the right voice. And somebody that knows the characters of Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers and Dewey and does David Arquette and Courtney Cox even want to be on screen together anymore after they had a divorce mm. and all this other stuff plays in. I don't know that we'll ever get that's another Scream. Oh, yeah, sure. We want to see that. I wa- Listen, <laughs> anything to do with Scream, I want to see. But uh, I watched that. I re-wa- I watched a couple of documentaries having to do with it just because I was going through my box set of it. I, I have uh, Still Screaming and Behind the Mask, which are two actually pretty informative documentaries about the making of Scream 1 and about the series in general. Uh, but that's, you know, I, I watched some Friday the 13th. I watched The Omen, the original Omen from 1976. I get it. I'm like, eh. eh. Scarier in 1976. Not as good as Scream 2. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but clearly, far and away, mm-hmm. I mean, easily, with a bullet, the best thing I watched this week was Jojo Rabbit. I haven't stopped thinking about it since we did our OSP on it. I I, I adore that movie very much. It's a much. funny movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how funny it was and how much I wanted to rewatch it. And I was, well, let's be honest with you folks. I saw Terminator last night and I was going to do a double feature with Harriet. But all the shade that Harriet's getting yeah. and then all the shade that Motherless Brooklyn is getting, I'm going to see those this week, I think, I hope. If I can get myself there, but we're like, <laughs> what? We don't really have that much juice for him. Yeah, I no. wanted to rewatch Jojo Rabbit more. I, I yeah, I, I feel the same way. I wish I could own that right now. And speaking of things that I'm glad that I, I can't own, but I'm a little upset about. Loose came out mm-hmm. just this past week. Right. They only released it in DVD. Weird. They didn't release it in Blu-ray. I don't think they have any plans to. I don't understand why that would be. But I'm, I'm going to own the DVD. I'm really attracted to that movie, but. And I want to watch it again and study it, but why you go Blu-ray? What are you doing with DVD? I'm sure it's a cost thing, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. That was interesting to me. I don't understand the reason for it. Let's talk about some other things that were interesting to us as we transition into some audience interaction stuff, talking about six degrees of MMO for this week. And Mike, it's a new month, so we got to start building a new throne as we had six degrees of MMO, Cynthia Erivo playing the titular role of Harriet in Harriet as we had her connected to Jojo Rabbit's director, Taika Watiti. What do we have for some awards? We got a bunch of efficiency awards. The Nomcast, Wojciech Weischer, and so I'm watching this show. They all came up with probably the quickest. Yeah. Cynthia was in Bad Times at the El Royale. Chris Hemsworth, who was in Thor Ragnarok with Taika. 
Bam. Nice, easy, that's on us. We didn't think of that. And those are two recent releases, too. And we, we both really like Thor Ragnarok, so we probably should have thought of that. And I'm ashamed. I'll be honest. <laughs> Jack Mayer at jmay 658 said, Cynthia Erivo won a Tony for The Color Purple the same year Leslie Odom Jr. won a Tony for Hamilton. Hamilton was written by and starred Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also wrote songs for Moana. Never heard of him. Initial screenplay was wit- written by Taika Waititi. So that's efficient. It's long-winded, but it's efficient I, and things I didn't realize. Very interesting. Could you imagine a Moana screenplay that was, that was wholly done by Taika Waititi? We talked about one of the things we commented on Jojo Rabbit, how he's very in tune with how to write children to be appreciated yes. by adults. So he needs to make more kids' movies. Right? Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure everybody's begging him to make kids' movies. Sure, yeah, why not? Uh, Neil McAndrew at Neil M-A-C-C-A Neil Maka gonna go a bit more around the houses Cynthia was in bad times at the El Royale alongside John Hamm who was in Friends with Kids with Maya Rudolph Maya was in The Way Way Back with Sam Rockwell who was in Jojo Rabbit directed by Taika Waititi you ever seen The Way Way Back? Yes uh, Does Sam Rockwell play a Nazi or a racist? He or... plays a carny I think Son of a bitch Or is he an uncle? <laughs> And their other characters are kind. Is he a bad guy? Can can this guy play good? He's shades of gray, <laughs> as usual. Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson said uh, Cynthia Rebo was in bad times at the El Royale with Lewis Pullman, who played a bartender. Taiko Atiti played a bartender and shrimp. So that's very efficient, but taking a little a little road less travel <laughs> there. I like that. Mark Burgundy is usually good for coming up with some nuggets on this show. Joe is calling from inside the house. I love that handle. I love all the Halloween <laughs> handles that we were dealing with. At Joe Messin, he's been here before. Easy one. Cynthia Arriva will be playing Aretha Franklin next year in the wow. TV series Genius. I'm sure she'll crush that. And Taika Waititi is a genius. That was funny. Uh, Maybe tough that. to argue. All right, here's the award that abides. <laughs> Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop said, Since the efficiency was too easy, I added a dose of dude. Cynthia Arriva was in Bad Times at the El Royale with Jeff Bridges, who was in the dude, who was the dude, yes. excuse me, in the Big Lebowski. Lebowski was how Tony Stark described Thor in Endgame, <laughs> whose buddy Korg is voiced by Taika Waititi. I like that. And also, I've seen that there's... Taika Waititi is kind of arguing with Marvel about what to do with Fat Thor. Yeah. Like, he wants to do more with him, and they want Thor to return to God of Thunder physique. I saw that as a story. is popping up somewhere in one of the trades this Chris week. Chris Hemsworth is like, no! Stand up, attaboy. All right, uh, Swamp Thing, boy check, boy sure. Let's try something harder, he says. Cynthia Revo was nominated to BAFTA's Rising Star Award alongside Jesse Buckley. Last year, Buckley won a British Independent Film Award for Best Acting Debut and was nominated for the Best Actress Award but lost to Olivia Colman, who was nominated for The Favorite. The Favorite was shot by Robbie Ryan, who also worked at Marriage Story with Scarlett Johansson, who's in Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. A lot of award contenders, a lot of contemporary films, a lot of MMO favorites. Wojciech knows how to play to this crowd. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so this is, what, what do we call that award? Can we come up with something? Just uh, the the, ver- <laughs> the pleasing award, the tailored to Mike's award. The Mike's <laughs> ultimate pleasure award. Yeah, the kind of cheating because you know this is going to work because we love these movies award. Wojciech really knows us. <laughs> yes. He really gets us. All right, the David Lynch award winner this week goes to Nolan Roberts at Nolan Roberts 17. He's getting a lot of this particular award because yeah. he's very good at this. Cynthia Rebo was in the stage production of The Color Purple, the film of the same name was directed by Steven Spielberg who had a cameo in Austin Powers Goldmember, the second sequel to a movie that had an uncredited appearance from Christian Slater who was in Robin Hood Prince of 
Thieves. Another oh, loose right. adaptation of Robin Hood is the Australian coming-of-age series Robin Hood, produced by Daley Pearson. Daley Pearson showed up in this. Look at that. <laughs> Who was in the Marvel short film Team Thor, directed by Taika Waititi. Holy shit, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> That's yeah, that's a, that's kind of a mind melder there. Good job by Nolan Roberts. I don't Nolan think I handled the pr- uh, punctuation well enough. No, <laughs> you, were, you were rolling is what that was. You was and Fred Durst, always rolling. Oh, uh, the winner this week, and another frequent flyer who's been winning kind of the book awards, he took a step back to enter the competition again, and he ends up taking the prize and starting this month off with a new throne. Oliver Hetherington Page, at a twist of Oliver, another frequent flyer here. Cynthia Erivo won a Tony Award for playing Seeley in the musical adaptation of The Color Purple, the film adaptation of The Color Purple, went 0 for 11 nominations Uh, on Oscar night, equaling the record set by the 1977 film The Turning Point. The Turning Point featured Anne Bancroft, who was married to Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks won original screenplay for his 1967 film The Producers, (laughs) which features a comedic Adolf Hitler, another film featuring a comedic Adolf Hitler, Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi, so relevant because we talked about The Producers in our Oscar sprint profile, of Jojo Rabbit and talking about how they're not the same movie, Oliver Hetherington Page also playing right to us. And he basically cites like a huge Octor factoid yeah. in here yeah. to get this thing moving, the two 0 for 11s. Could you imagine if the color purple went 0 for 11 at like in this socially woke culture? Oh. That'd be an uprising, and rightfully so, I would yeah, say. Especially after watching like Oprah in that movie. Yeah, watching unbelievable. Movie in that movie, like, how is that possible? That's unforgivable. Ridiculous. All right, Oliver Hetherington Page, you are the winner of all things bragging rights for Six Degrees of MMO this week. You are sitting upon the new throne. So we've had an iron throne. Mm-hmm. We've had a nice leather recliner. What is the throne this week? So this week we are hand-feeding Oliver uh, Thanksgiving dinner. So he's just <laughs> okay, good. I like it. There I like it. And he is just getting hand-fed. Yeah, and it's actually oh, a chair made out of mashed potatoes and cranberry <laughs> sauce. And that's how we're going to work this until Which December comes around. Yeah, and it's new. It's not old mashed potatoes. It's new, freshly made. They're just packed in there so tight. So oh, it, it's, so it's stable. Like the red mashed potatoes? Yeah. It's a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it's got a little firmness potato-y. to them. Yeah. Oh, it's a good. It's a carbon sugar throne. Yeah. Oh All right. We're God. off to a good start here. Delight. Also, we're hungry. Mm. We're going to have to break for food. <laughs> I want the potatoes. I'm on a diet. I haven't had potatoes in a month. Oh, man. Thanksgiving is going to be months. a massacre for you. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. That is your Six Degrees of MMO for this week. For next week, we have another challenge for you, which is going to be in celebration and commemoration of the two titans of the industry that we did unfortunately lose this week. Robert Evans, longtime producer, big Hollywood producer. John Witherspoon, longtime comedian, stand-up comedian. Both of them unfortunately passing away this week. We're going to commemorate them in a second and their legacies. Uh, But for Six Degrees, to honor both of them, we figured we would take somebody from one of Robert Evans' most famously produced movies, Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Faye Dunaway is going Mm -hmm. to be your first link. Connecting them to somebody from arguably John Witherspoon's most notorious role and most famous role. He was, of course, in Friday. So we'll take Chris Tucker from Friday. So your connection for Six Degrees of MMO, your challenge this week going to be Faye Dunaway to Chris Tucker. That is your Six Degrees of MMO challenge, and like I said, we'll get into now commemorating the legacies and lives and careers of both John Witherspoon and Robert Evans, who unfortunately did pass away this week, Michael. Yeah, sad news. Uh, Robert Evans was the producer of The Godfather Parts 1 and 2, Chinatown, Marathon Man, Urban Cowboy, Love Story, Harold and Maude, True Grit, 
a definite titan of the industry that a legendary book and documentary were made about him that were written about his life uh i think it was like an autobiography the document uh, the book it's been on my audible feed forever i gotta remember yeah. the kid stays in the picture i did see the documentary which was very good everybody was raving about that book too and uh remembering uh, yes. mr evans this week on twitter there i saw that come up a lot a lot so, and yeah. and rightfully so based on the documentary again i gotta read the book sure. but he had you know legendary tabloid romances he was one of the first kind of had yeah. that j-lo ben affleck thing i mean he was Benefit like the, the the movie executive stereotype you know he had right. the, the deep tan look he had the sunglasses everybody would talk about how he was always wheeling and dealing this is all if you read anything about him and remembering his life this week he loved the fame that went along with it and it was well earned he was he brought paramount back from basically the brink of extinction with taking chances on some of these movies and francis ford coppola of course one of his major uh I guess partners, but uh, as well, there's a lot of conflict there, yeah. and, and throughout those, you know, making of stories, sure. and it's it's just fascinating to watch how the crucible of all that created such fine works of art. Maybe I mean, the greatest movies of all time, or certainly American history, cinema. Yeah. So John Witherspoon also passed away. Mike House Party Friday next Friday. Bullworth, the ladies' man, Little Nicky are the films that are most notable on TV. He was a voice actor from the Boondocks. Most recently, he got a start on the Richard Pryor show. And of course, we grew up with John Witherspoon as the dad in the Wayans Brothers. Yeah. So this was sad. Like this legitimately made me sad this week because I remember right. watching the Wayans Brothers so much. I can't remember. I mean, there's very few people that have been stand-up comedians that transitioned to TV and film that were just so consistently laugh-out-loud funny. Yes. Every, every time he was on any screen, I would, like, guffaw genuinely. He always had some kind of, It's just his delivery and his cadence and his smoothness, and it was just so impactful. He was also a great stand-up comedian, obviously. He was a great stand-up host. To 82 acting credits listed on IMDb. I know him probably best, like you said, from the Wayans Brothers or from Friday, mm -hmm. one of those two. Uh, and... It's just, it sucks. I mean, these are two absolute titans of the industry, one behind the camera, one in front of the camera, that we uh, unfortunately did lose this week. Absolutely. And, Very uh, sad. Yeah, we, we just send our condolences to their family and friends, and as always, uh, we, we, we are very sorry for their loss and for the industry's loss overall. Want to do our part just to commemorate them. Uh, we will try to transition now somehow into talking about the box office update for this week. Yeah, a couple side stories for Sony, their film unit posted a $366 million quarterly profit, Mike. This is exciting for us because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Spider-Man. Yeah, and if you think, I mean, they couldn't have gotten that much profit from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if any at all, but mm -hmm. we talked about what a great quarter they were having. This does cover Far From Home. It covers Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Their film unit alone having this big quarter makes a lot of sense. We've been kind of praising the efforts of Sony, saying how they must be doing well. This is exposing the fruits of that labor. It's an increase of more than 33% over the same quarter last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and Sony, as a company overall, decided to take some other steps as far as the entertainment aspect. Uh, they just cut their PlayStation View TV service. So that's kind of the first casualty of the streaming wars. Not that they were into streaming, but they right. were trying to have their own pay TV service, which is no longer there. It was probably a money loser, so they're probably going to get profits off of that with not having to deal with that anymore. They also have made uh, strides in in other areas of technologies, talking about smartphone chips, progress that they've made. This is all from an article in The Hollywood Reporter. Overall, the company, the electronic giant of Sony, is up 
8% over last year's numbers at this time. So, mm-hmm. And it's buoyed mostly by the film industry there. The revenues of doing something like one point some odd billion that they just keep bringing in money. That's awesome. So Sony could have become Circuit City, but they didn't. <laughs> or whatever. You know, I mean, right. you think about all the technology that became yeah. obsolete. No, Sony Sony did a great job. And look, look, as a movie studio, that's a stupid joke, but as a movie studio, I kind of knew they were turning the ship around after Baby Driver there. I was like, you know what? They're just going to make kick-ass good movies. Yeah, and they and have been. They have been. I mean, they've been crushing it. And they, every decision they made, even if they're not making money mm-hmm. uh, uh, with something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's only going to add to the revenue stream overall, and they're more than just a film production studio. Right. So it, it, it helped. I mean, the company's doing very, very well overall, and it's nice to see, so maybe they do pour some of that back into their film production and they be uh, they do even more with it absolutely the second quick side story here is that frozen 2 is tracking for a hundred plus million i think the record was 93 by somebody in terms of the animated film opening weekend record there and the, i think it was set by frozen one so we have <laughs> uh frozen 2 above the you know the all time records hundred plus million for its opening weekend yeah and and the sun rises in the east and the, the sky is blue on a clear surprised. cloudless day I mean this is this is news I don't, of course it is it's Frozen ninety three point five nine was what it had its first long weekend opening at uh, for Frozen one back in twenty thirteen this is gonna crush it you, you know shit. <laughs> I mean, Frozen's going to do very well at the box office. So we're recording this now before we get official box office numbers for this weekend. Yeah. But we do know Terminator Dark Fate. It was tracking for 27. I think it made around 29 domestically. Yeah, that's what it ended up at. Worldwide totals 123.6, which makes like 95 million international take, which is apparently very down for them. Uh, I'm most surprised that the long-range tracking beat out the short-range tracking for this. Long-range tracking months ago had this opening between 20 and 30 million, Mm -hmm. and we said, wow, that would be a big bomb if that did that. Short-range tracking, as the film's debut drew closer and closer, said that this was going to do around or over 40 million, Mm -hmm. which would have been a much easier path to 100 million domestically if you open it that high and probably well over 100 million. Um, And the long-range tracking was right. I don't know why people just didn't decide to show up. Uh, I don't know where they got some of the short-range tracking numbers were from, but they were just, they they missed the mark. This does less than $30 million. I would have a stat here Mm -hmm. to tell you about the difficulty in a film opening under $30 million to do so well. uh, but Box Office Mojo has made their site completely unusable. The way you used to get your stats is impossible it's, now. I, you can't use this version of Box Office Mojo. Oh, no. It's awful. I don't know why. They had a near-perfect website. All you had to do was give me numbers, let me click around, let me find shit. And this version is terrible. I think they've taken away some information just outright. They just don't show it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because they're trying to look out for the the benefit of the studios or whatever. This box, I can't stand it. And I tried to reserve, I tried to, you know, say I, it's just, it's ridiculous. People are overreacting. I spent over an hour clicking around with this fucking thing, uh. trying to figure out where everything is. It, it's, it's so bad. Please change it back, IMDb. Please. Please. <laughs> Not what I thought we were going to get there. But we got a rant about box office mojo, folks. All right. So, look, I don't know which order these came into, but uh, Harriet Maleficent yep. 2 and Joker all made around 11 or 12 million. The big story there is that Harriet 
made 12 million, which is well above expectations. Yeah, and an A cinema score as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are liking what they see, I guess, the regular crowds when they get there. So this is perking us up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I didn't know this going into today. It's weird that they're, the critic scores are so middling on it, and yet mm-hmm. the cinema scores and the regular moviegoers love it. Maybe we've seen, certainly, a film resonate with regular moviegoers that kind of brought the momentum to Oscar's prominence. It happened last year with Bohemian Rhapsody. Sure. Large in part. So maybe that does it for Cynthia Erivo this year. Rooting for her, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have to see it for ourselves this week, one way or the other. We think we're going to review it on Oscar Race Checkpoint, kind of how we did with Judy there. Downton Abbey. Next story. (laughs) 178 Worldwide Focus Features is very happy because that's like their best ever, one of their best ever. I can't believe it's doing that well. I can't believe it either. (laughs) I'm so happy for it. My mom's happy. I'm happy. All right. uh, Adam's Family made 7.6, I think, to round out the top five. Arctic Dogs, DOA, 3.1. Arctic Dogs did something like $800 per screen it was on. Some like laughably bad number. I don't. I know a couple people that I saw. I haven't heard one good word about it. It doesn't seem like it's long for this world much at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not working. So that's a look around the box office. Let's head into some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. Jumanji: The Next Level had its final trailer release. Premise: Jumanji again with The Rock, Kevin Hart. Karen Gillan and Jack Black, again. But hey, this time they're playing Crazy Train in the background, so that's new, right? That's fun. <laughs> Come on. Uh, look, Kevin Hart is killing me in this trailer. Yeah, me too. The fact that he is the Danny Glover persona inside of that, oh my God, it's just going to be hilarious start to finish. Then you get The Rock, who's also Danny DeVito. I'll watch ten movies of this. <laughs> ten. It's such an easy formula they figured out, too, that they can make ten movies of this. Just find the older actors that these two guys can parody. I could watch Kevin Hart be Danny Glover mm-hmm. forever. Now, Jack Black is doing a weird showcase of voices here. I don't know if the first one is loud or works, but we'll see. And second is from the first movie, the second voice he's doing. So right. that's, that's that we know works. I'm in, I'm in. I'm still in. Why is that sand dune buggy thing barely able to outrun the pack of ostriches in the desert? Jumanji ostriches are fast, Mike. I don't know. They're fast <laughs> ostriches. Is that canon? <laughs> we have know. we have tigers in the hallways, <laughs> lions in the hallways, and fast ostriches. I'll tell you this much, though. I didn't like the VFX in this particular I trailer. wasn't crazy about them either. But I noticed that. That looks like green screen. Yeah. That looks bad. I noticed that as well. I mean, this movie made damn near, a bill- I don't think it crossed a billion, but I think it made like $900 million or something like that. But who doesn't want to see this movie? Yeah, Come of course. On. I mean, it's, it's got a lot fun. of appeal, and it's at the Christmas release date. It's going to have all the families involved. It's going to be a billion dollars again. Yes, Very smart and wise investing. Uh, the Rock, man. Just all The Rock does is print money. <laughs> the Mandalorian had its second trailer. The premise for this, make the bounty hunters from Star Wars look somehow even more badass while giving glimpses at new characters, guns, and Star Wars gadgets. I'm still waiting to see Pedro Pascal get some screen time mm-hmm. here in one of these trailers. I think that's the greatest choice for this character. I don't even know who this character is, but it's a badass character. Yeah. And I think, especially after Beale Street, especially after Game of Thrones, this guy's one of the better actors out there who's underutilized. Go sign. Give him more stuff. And the fact that he's a star of this, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I echo your sentiments there. Uh, have you bought your Disney Plus subscription yet, or did you hold off until after you saw this trailer? 
I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> no, really? Have you bought it yet? No, I haven't. I'm debating. I, I may not go in on it. What do you mean you may not go I'm, in on it? I'm debating. Well, HBO Max. I, we're going to talk about in the Do You Care, HBO Max. HBO Max has a lot so of there's stuff a that world. appeals to me. There's a world yeah. where I'm reviewing The Mandalorian every week and all those Marvel shows and you're just not having to do it? Sure. Yeah, it exists. And I review like... An old Big Bang Theory episode. <laughs> no, I will never watch that. But something like that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, what is the story of The Mandalorian? I don't care. <laughs> I get all the Star Wars visuals, the gadgets, no, the droids, the, 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 the monsters. But I, do you have any idea? Like, seriously, what is this show about? Seriously, Mike, who cares? You got <laughs> bounty hunters in the Star Wars universe. You got IG-88 spinning in a shootout. You got rhino troll bears. You got carbonite. <laughs> It's floating. You got this Boba Fett lookalike, and it's walking through the desert alone. Pedro Pascal's going to be underneath that. What do you? What else do you need? <laughs> okay, I got nothing. I guess. <laughs> Last trailer here. First look at this film called The Photograph. The premise for this one: Watch Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield fall in love despite everything going against them. Well, you got the director of The Weekend, which worries me here because I didn't like that movie, but uh, she's got a good career going. Stella Maggie. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little worried about this one now that I, I, I did. I really didn't like the weekend, so that's my. It that might be a me problem. We got a great cast here, though: Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. Issa Rae, Courtney B. Vance, Chelsea Peretti, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Rob Morgan, Tayona Paris. My God, that cast! Yeah, a lot of lot of people that we are very very high on, and it looked charming as hell. I'll be honest. Oh I didn't expect to have like be as endeared by it as I was. But How about that cinematography. Yeah, true How too. Yeah, it looks it looks very good. Wow. And I can't I can't picture Lakeith Stanfield being a guy that's like in awe shuts. He just seems like he's just brimming with so much confidence at all times. He felt real in that Yeah, trailer. he did. He, he did. did. And Issa Rae's been funny and other stuff, and she, she felt real in that trailer, too. It wasn't the over-the-top, sappy romance, right. epic romance it that looked I thought real. I was getting. Yeah, it felt agree. Realistic. And if you play Hard Place by her in any trailer... I'll get goosebumps, mm -hmm. and this did, and I did, and I'm now more in for this than I ever thought I would have been in for this kind of rom com movie that we're getting, which is Issa Rae mm -hmm. talking about, reading letters from her mother about how she missed out on love, or somebody missed out on her on love, mm -hmm. and now she's not trying to relive the same mistakes, basically, is the premise. It looks way more intriguing than I thought this type of movie would have to me. Maybe I gotta watch The weekend again, but you don't like rom-com premises. No, I do not. so rom-com. Yeah. The premise for that was was so rom-com. Nah, nah, it was like, well, give me a break. So, nah, I don't know. There you go. Well, maybe that's the difference. Maybe maybe they figured it all out and we could all end happily ever after. Let's talk about some things we don't care about. I've got to know Do you care? And why should we? This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take other news stories of the week we ask each other do we, should we, or will we care about them the way we start every Do You Care segment every week. If this were a rom-com, Mike and I would always be having a meet-cute, and I would ask this this lovable, handsome man over here across the table from me with his with his brown eyes, with their, their long lashes batting at me, fighting the odds, working against everything that we have between us. Uh, Michael! Do you care about any of the, the theatrical releases coming this week? Last Christmas, Better Days, Doctor Sleep, Midway, Playing With Fire, those are all the wide releases. The All-Americans, The Kingmaker, Honey Boy, and the greatest title <laughs> of a film ever, 
Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man, which can't be a real movie and it's probably just a fake title that I think was sent out there for people like us to have to repeat on semi-serious programming. Oscar podcast. Yes. What do we care about? So Last Christmas might be too rom-commy of a pre- uh, premise. It is. We, it is. Yeah. definitely is. Yeah. Dr. Sleep I do care about. Yes, uh, I agree. I think uh, that's becoming something that's demanding our attention, mm-hmm. that's demanding my A-list, AMC A-list. Uh, One Child Nation is going to be on Amazon Prime. We're going to watch... Looking forward to that. We're going to watch Honey Boy ASAFP. Sure. And that's what I care about. I don't care about your... Just rambling introductions that I don't know how to react to. We call that expository. They're expository. Yeah, these are the backgrounds for our characters when we're going to live happily ever after. It's been like Arnold. It's like, do you want to know what happened to me the last 30 years? I'm going to be on the wedding on the chapel with with like a bride that treats me wrong, and you're going to come in banging on the window there. (laughs) Mike! Don't do it. It's been me. It's been me all along. The podcast won't last for yeah, Exactly, see? He's <laughs> just laying the blueprint. Oh, that's so dorky. Mike, <laughs> yes. David Benioff, and D.B. Weiss are no longer making their Star Wars trilogy. So there's more to this story, I think, that hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slash, Slash Film had the, the article about this that we first saw it on. A lot of other periodicals ran with it from there, too. Uh, Slash Film says these guys were supposed to have a trilogy, Released in 2022, 2024, 2026. Now that's not going to happen. Everyone is saying the right things on the record. Benioff and Weiss say that talking Star Wars with Lucasfilm was a thrill of a lifetime. Kathleen Kennedy saying how wonderful the two of them are. They're visionaries. There's got to be more to this. Something happened because one, the Kevin Feige pitch happened before these two walked away. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a lot more sense now with them not in the picture and not having their own trilogy if they are walking away. And they join a pretty relevant list of directors that were attached to Star Wars properties that either had a falling out or stepped away or mm-hmm. something. And Benioff and Weiss certainly have enough stature in the industry where they can say no to projects that they don't like. And Variety actually had a piece speculating on Kathleen Kennedy's management style and how certain established directors may be clashing with her because they want to try new things and take the IP in certain directions it's never been before. And the kind of the dicta from on high is always stick to the script, Stay let's stars. go with what works. Yeah, keep going back to that the, the old cookie-cutter premise there. Not that that doesn't work, obviously, but it's a, if it is the case, you know, if you can read it one of two ways. If you're going to believe the face of what everyone's saying, then this was just a, a happenstance of scheduling conflict, and Benioff and Weiss aren't going to have as much free time to dedicate to a Star Wars property as would need be, because they're now signed exclusively with Netflix, and all that money Netflix is giving them, they have to put their creative forces behind that. You can believe that, or you can believe, if you read the tea leaves and read kind of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, that Kathleen Kennedy may have a little too tight a grip for established directors to deal with on the Star Wars front. So, I think the number one reason is they got a ton more money from Netflix. They got a whole lifetime worth of work to do yeah from that sure agree i I think that's the main storyline i like it the price of doing business or getting them into the development whatever that was Mm -hmm. was not 200 million dollars and netflix basically paid them 200 million dollars or whatever the upfront was for that right to get them in their doors and then they're supposed to you know maybe it didn't you know nullify their previous deal but now they're like all right we don't need this previous deal this is all we need 
and for life. They're set for life. So, so you they, you you're choosing to believe it's all just a scheduling thing. I mean, they can't well, dedicate to a Star Wars. I think it needs it, to be dedicated. they had fire for whatever property that they were mm-hmm. pitching to Star Wars to get them in the door and to get them rolling with them to, to get Kathleen Kennedy to say, "Hey, we got a trilogy. This is this is trilogy material. Right. This is a new trilogy. We'll set the release dates." For that to happen, there had to be some good stuff in sure. terms of their pitch. Yeah, wholly agree. But they're, they're probably deciding, you know, we need to do this for Netflix. This is our number one priority. Why are we trying to stretch ourselves this thin? And and Disney's probably not happy that they're doing that for Netflix at the same time because they're about to probably, jump into yeah. the streaming wars. So they parted amicably or not, or at least they're keeping things under wraps and we can only speculate that they did not part amicably here. I don't know. I have no basis yeah. f- to believe that Agree. Yeah. other than the fact that Kathleen Kennedy didn't work with... Well, that's the only thing about this, yeah. right? Like, we have nothing to, to say one way or the other, and it's all speculation on all, our part, and why wouldn't we believe the things that everyone's telling us? Of course, Variety is a very trustworthy source, and sure. they kind of postulated this this hypothesis. But even if that is the case, where Benioff and Weiss scheduling conflict, didn't have time, went towards Netflix, it was a mutual parting of ways, it's a little curious that so many names now and, like, young names on the come-up who have already kind of established themselves and can say no to certain ideas being thrust upon them have all walked away from Star Wars at one point or another due to, like, creative differences. It's a little curious. It's, it's just it, it just it. It's just curious. It's just a little bizarre if nothing else is going on. I think they got stuff going on over there at Lucasfilm. I think Kathleen Kennedy will pull it off at the end of the day. I but, mean, she's a genius. Yeah, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think there's. Got, I don't think Star Wars is in trouble. And we saw we saw the the stable of writers that she had yeah. and creators that she had a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about it, and I was like, if any of these things fall off the map, she's still got all these great people. Right developing Star Wars movie. Ryan Johnson, Kevin Feige, they're, they're there. And, and that's not that's just people we know about, right. obviously. So J.J. Abrams, I'm sure, will help. And you got a guy named George Lucas back there that you could always <laughs> take advice from, make that Metachlorians movie. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like all Star Wars fans want. <laughs> but I think uh, I think you got people that are going to make the do a good job. And they're in, you know, Disney, all in the Disney household, and certainly Marvel. They don't, Marvel has enough names that they can, t- I mean, I would love his Taika Waititi Star Wars, frankly. Oh, yeah. I want Taika Waititi to do everything after freaking Jojo Rabbit, but. All right, let's move on to the next story. Game of Thrones, Michael, they canceled The Long Night with Naomi Watts attached, and they ordered House of the Dragon directly to series. So I had texted you the day after, and I had it wrong. I thought they canceled right. the Targaryen stuff, and they, they were going to go with something else, but I forgot about The Long Night. Now, The Long Night I mean, we just dealt with that, with the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. What's the, so, didn't we just see that? Right. So why would we basically need that again? Is it the same, the exact same thing, the same battle? It's not the exact same because it's like a couple thousand years earlier. But they're basically going to deal with the crisis of the regular series in the old series again. But now the fans know that, all right, if you're just throwing a bill of goods at us here. It's just the can, same thing. Can you just let this property be? House of Targaryen is an interesting story, but it, what's strange about it is these are based on like history books that George R. R. Martin wrote, and they're written like history books. They're very dry. You get the plot, you get some details about the people involved, and all these wild characters. Great plot structure, capabilities, possibilities involved. Mm-hmm. You don't have things written on the page. So they need to have great writers to pull this off. 
I would say again, we all know how the Targaryen saga end ends. So why do we need that necessarily? What I'm more interested in and what I'm rooting for at the end of the day is the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, because those I know are great stories. They're my favorite non, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire straight series books. Mm -hmm. Those three novellas are terrific. I would love to see three movies. I mean, George hasn't finished writing those, though. So, I mean, we need another one or two. The Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, uh, you can buy that on audiobooks and... It's whatever, the Hedge Knight trilogy there. But look, just give us the Winds of Winter. This is all distracting me from getting the Winds of Winter book, and I want that book. Give me the book. Give me the book now. This property (laughs) has gotten to the point where now I am officially annoyed by it. I've had enough of Game of Thrones. It's over. Let it be dead. All right, we don't need the uh, the Hounds of Joey to be a spin-off series here that we're just trying to milk blood from a stone. There's no character named Joey. What are you talking about, <laughs> sir? I'm talking about the Friends spin-off. I know. God damn it. That's what this is. It's a money grab, and you know it. I don't care. I want more. Yeah, you're not, I hear what you're, you're not saying. alone. I hear what you're saying. Everybody does. I don't, I don't care. I want more. I don't get it. I don't I don't it's just never done it for me. I don't get it. But Mike, God, I'm gonna read God bless a all of you. Twelve hundred page book about something that I've already seen on screen. And I'm gonna read it very quickly. You know you don't have to. I'm going to. <laughs> okay, good. And I can't listen to those via audiobook. I don't like the audiobook, so I'm going to read it. People can't be helped. By candlelight. By candlelight. Really sets the mood. Touching myself. No, sorry. <laughs> South Park, Mike. Yeah. The library landed at HBO Max for, guess what, $500 million. Yeah. Transitioning very quickly. Not a surprise. <laughs> we were rumored to be getting $500 million when we first covered this story a couple months ago. Turns out that's the exact number that show fetched and will now be exclusive property of HBO's, at least for the foreseeable future. Am I? I, I started talking about this. I think HBO Max is actually giving us the most bang for our buck. Huh. And there's a reason it's going to be the most expensive streaming property. I mean, $15.99 a month is quite expensive out of the gate for a streaming property. But we are getting with this all of the WB film catalog, Cartoon Network properties, CNN properties, WB Cartoons, South Park, Friends, Big Bang Theory, Turner Programming, the DCEU. And for horror fans, by the way, this is where Freddy Krueger currently lives. And this is where Jason Voorhees once did live and based on what happens with his rights in the near future, may be coming back to at some point soon. So we could be getting an awful lot here with HBO Max for the high price of streaming, but that's why I'm saying if you are going to pay 17 bucks a month for HBO Max, that's a lot compared to all the other streaming. Disney's like seven, half that, 7 bucks a month or something out of the gate. So what, what we're getting here is everything HBO. Now, if I already have HBO, which is whatever, 10 bucks a month. Yeah, it's, it's extra. It's not included. So I could just keep HBO. If you want just the HBO programming, yeah, but like the, you won't get the DC, pro, all that stuff won't be on HBO Now or HBO Regular. It's going to be exclusive to HBO Max. Am but I if getting you get Max that, that comes with HBO? All right, but I'm getting everything HBO with HBO Max. So for an extra yes. eight dollars a month or six dollars a month. Yes, I think that's how. Stuff. Yes, I think that's how it works out. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. Whatever. Maybe. all that for a big maybe uh does debut in six months may of 2020 so and they say they're going to get 31 original programs and properties i I probably will (laughs) 
<laughs> Good. I did it. I did it, Daddy HBO. Aren't you proud Don't of me? Don't have enough money. <laughs> My couple more Star Wars stories here. We'll take them in tandem, I guess. Well, one at a time. I just lied. Ryan Johnson says the last Jedi hate fueled his Knives Out script, and he says the door isn't shut between he and LucasArts for future Star Wars properties. So I care for a couple reasons. I care because that is kind of pessimistic about the Lucasfilm and future Star Wars properties, which you makes, think so? me, makes me sad. Yeah, because it's like, I'm not shutting the door on it, but it doesn't look good. That's the implication I get. Well, he got a lot of flack online yeah, from yeah. The Last Jedi. I would be a little scorned by that too, I think, if I were him. I do care because I want to see Knives Out all the more. Yes. I mean, the fact that you know, and this is what great creative people do, great writers, artists, they channel their insecurities mm-hmm. and their experiences for good or for ill into their artwork. And so I think this is great. I want to see the Easter eggs of the last Jedi backlash yeah. into the Knives Out storyline. I can't wait to review this. It's gonna definitely going to provide a whole new lens to view that movie through. More Star Wars stuff here. People are convinced, Michael, that Hayden Christensen's Anakin will be the Skywalker to rise in Episode Nine. How? Look, I don't know. J.J. <laughs> Abrams and company wrote more Vader stuff into The Force Awakens than Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi. Correct. That was Vader-centric, that the ghost of Darth Vader haunted that movie. Would I be shocked if Palpatine wears a Darth Vader-like suit? Be interesting. I would not be shocked. Yeah? I would not be. I mean, if he's barely hanging on, he needs some kind of a cyborg get-up there, he mm. might be. You know, that could be a cool thing for fans, or I don't know if they'd be upset about that. I don't know. I do think his voice is, is iconic, the Emperor. Yes. And I think Darth Vader's voice is iconic, so I don't know how they make that work. Maybe they do the uh, the Freddie Mercury thing that they did in Bell Rap last year, just kind of meld the voices into one. I'm already not liking this. No? I'm not Boy. This, but I don't see Bohemian how... Bohemian like, Star Wars? Yeah, but why would Hayden Christensen's factor into this? Like, well, th- this rumor comes from him having a lot of ties into... I mean, he was... Seen at the Star Wars land in Disneyland or Disney World, wherever they open that new Star Wars exhibit. A lot of publicity photos. He was supposed to have a uh, a Comic-Con-like panel that got canceled at the last minute. And the rumors started swirling. It got canceled because people were going to ask him about Easter eggs attached to the Episode Nine, And Disney didn't want that to get out there. So they're trying to think. I mean, it's all conjecture right now. There's nothing concrete. Maybe they don't want it to get out there because they don't want fans to go off the deep end thinking <laughs> that Skywalker's going to be in this next Star I don't know Wars. how they would tie it in either. I don't understand where that plays. I have no idea yeah. how they make that work. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> Fair. That's what I'm going to okay. do. So I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to ignore it. Mike, Delta, in a more serious story yeah. here, restores same-sex love scenes to Booksmart and Rocketman. Yeah, and this is news to me. I knew they did this with Booksmart, taking out the lesbian sex scene. I didn't know they took out the, the homosexual sex scene in Rocketman as well. Now, do they just take rated R stuff and they take sex scenes out of every movie? Is that what they do? They, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Um, they might. I mean, they might take violent sure. scenes out of movies. They might take sex scenes out of movies because if you're walking by and you're watching a sex scene, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, that's that doesn't. That yeah, doesn't but if work you're going to right, then don't offer R-rated pictures. That would be my like. Just don't do it. Right. And they do offer it, so then put the whole thing in there. If they censor all R-rated stuff, though, what I'm saying, then this is not the same kind of story we thought it was because we were. Pretty pissed off about the story. It's heightened because of the oppression that the LGBTQ Absolutely. community, obviously. Of course. Even if they do censor every R-rated picture, I still have a problem with it because don't censor art, and that's kind of where I land on this. I don't like this 
this corporate culture where a corporation does something, there's a wild backlash against it. They all shouldn't have done it in the first place. It's a self-inflicted wound. And then they undo it. Right. And then we're all like, hey, good job for undoing that thing that was wholly unnecessary for you to do in the first place. Yeah. So. That being said. Dumb. Like, a hostile shouldn't be shown on a plane if a little kid's walking through the aisles, you know? And if that R-rated violence, you know? I, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, you're, you're, it's a tiny screen. You're getting it on, like, a, a two-inch by two-inch screen that you're only looking at. If a kid happens to see it, it's not like he could hear it anyway. It's not like his headphones are attached. So what's he going to do, stand next to you and just watch the whole thing and be scarred by it? I don't know. If your little niece or nephew's walking through the aisles to the potty... They can walk by. My nephew would watch it and adore it, and I'd probably stand just and watch it with him. They can walk by and see whatever they. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree. I don't agree. See. I don't. I don't. But think that can happen on anybody's deal. laptop too. Yeah. Right. Much worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just be porn. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you just counter argument. The counter argument I should have had, but I didn't think of. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, good for Delta, I guess. Don't do this. Maybe don't censor yeah, art. It doesn't work. Whatever is going on there, it yeah. doesn't work. It's not a movie theater. It's yeah. hard to don't watch movies on a plane. Watch them in theaters. Watch them at home. That's terrible advice. Don't watch them. What are you gonna do on a plane? Just sit there. Well, you gotta shield it from. If I'm watching uh, an R-rated movie on a plane, why are you aisle, worried about what other people are seeing? You should be. You could watch whatever you want. I'm considerate. Ah, fuck. That. I'm considerate of your nephew <laughs> no. coming up behind me if I'm watching Saving Private Ryan. Even. If my nephew gets tainted because he saw somebody watching Showgirls or Pre- Saving Private Ryan, that's on me for not knowing where my nephew is. Not on you for enjoying trying to kill a five-hour flight. I disagree. All right. <laughs> Halloween Kills, Michael. Last story we'll wrap up on here. Halloween if Kills. Halloween Kills is on the airplane. No, I no. will show my nephew Halloween Kills. <laughs> yeah. uh, we saw the first footage and behind-the-scenes stuff and some stills. They were shared by Jamie Lee Curtis on Halloween night. What do we think? So it's exciting, right? Yes. You Tommy Doyle, uh, Anthony Michael Hall with a baseball yeah, bat. Looked a little crazy, didn't he? Yeah. yeah well, you it. would think Tommy Doyle would be a little crazy. <laughs> you know, aged up there. Uh, you get the glimpse of Michael outside the house. Yes. Outside the house that is burning. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he's causing damage. I think Halloween Kills is going to be a bloodbath. I think it has to be but, to set up on. the kind of the ending. Is that the house, though? Is that Lori's house? Oh, I and see. So you're saying, escapes, is it, yeah. Which is good. Well, like, the impl- see, yeah, he's got to escape, right? Isn't that? Got, yeah, that's yeah. the implication. Well, he's he burns gets out. Right. So we're going to actually see him leaving the burning house alive. That's interesting. That's something I had thought of. I like that they're putting sure. two and two together there. I, th- I think that's smart. That like makes it a true sequel. You pick yeah, up right from the end of it. Yeah, it's so right. show the whole thing. We want to get to the big part here, the, the ending. Big part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, the last shot of this is Jamie Lee Curtis covered in blood. Yeah. Bloody arms on a stretcher mm-hmm. right outside an ambulance. And Jamie Lee Curtis, the actor, is sitting up waving at the camera saying, Happy Halloween. The implication of this disturbs me because it make, it suggests that you might be onto something. You keep saying you think this is it for Laurie Strode. I could see it being it. Now, she's the mentor character. They may not go through with the it and kill her. Mm-hmm. They may just have her be laid up in this movie and have... You know, Greer and Matichak have to fight Michael without her, the granddaughter and the daughter. So in that trilogy, then what is Halloween ends? Laurie Strode recovers and finally kills Michael? Like, if this ends on a down note for the Strode family, though, something has to happen. I think it has to. Yeah, I agree. I think one of them has... It makes no sense unless you wanted to... Greenlight Halloween 4 already, quote unquote 4, and give the series to Matichak or give the series to Greer which isn't in the plans right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ma- I think it makes sense to give Laurie Schroeder a happy ending at the end of this trilogy. 
Okay. Because David Gordon Green will wipe his hands of it. Danny McBride will leave. It's very Downton Abbey of you, though. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Oh, you can't kill Laurie Strode. This is you a can't kill movie. Michael. You can't kill Laurie Strode. This is a horror movie trilogy, and you don't want Michael or Laurie to die? You could get away with killing Michael because oh. that could always be retconned. Making fun of me for my little Downton <laughs> just wanting pleasantness. I just want what I want at all times, how I want it. Is that too be, much to ask? Be scary, and yet nobody, nobody, don't hurt my my favorites. Just a ninety-minute tea party. <laughs> One no, person we're in happens for this, though. This is Yeah, I can't wait. Fun. I'm very uh, certainly more intrigued if that's even possible. Uh, and the next two years should be a lot of fun as far as horror fans go uh, for October. And we uh, we kind of. We lacked that a little bit this October, I feel like. We didn't have kind of yeah. the staple movie to go see that was a horror movie. Well, it was a little disappointing yeah. for us in September. Right. And then in October, we had a, we had some good horror movies. We did. We had the Joker rewatch, which was horror adjacent, right. but it wasn't. That's what I mean. There wasn't like a staple. Yeah. There wasn't like Conjuring 4 that came out or 3 or whatever. Uh installment they're on in that series we watch too many movies <laughs> guys that is it that is your week in preview and review uh, as we wrap up mmo weekly here as always we thank you for listening we want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns or anything about anything we covered here in this episode and anything else we do in the mmo empire you can leave us those at mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we're available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially apple Podcasts. so if you own an iphone know someone who who does just happen to use Apple Podcasts or iTunes, if you please wouldn't mind uh, going on to the podcast app, that little purple square with the white strode sticking out of the middle of it, tapping on that, typing Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search and submit, tapping on our logo. We are currently in our Christmas getup. I changed all our logos over. We're, we're in our Mr. and Mrs. Claus outfits right now, mm, and we will be until the new year. Uh, you could tap on that, scroll down once, see the opportunity to leave us five stars. I rambled on. It takes 10 seconds, and I rambled on for about 35 or 40 telling you how to do it. So, yeah, just if you could do that, take five seconds out of your day. It'll make you feel good. It'll make us feel good. Everyone will be happy. It'll be the opposite of the end of Halloween Kills. (laughs) Or the end of this episode. (laughs) Michael, what are some words of wisdom and what's coming next from MMO? What's coming next? I think we're reviewing Harry on Orc or reviewing Harry and we're doing an orc. We don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, we have an MMO interviews. So yes. We haven't done in a while, even though we've been guest hosts and we've had guest hosts. we got a lot of guests coming on the show coming up. Yeah, so we do. Really excited about that. We're prepping for that interview. We hope to get to you soon. So I don't know exactly what's coming up, but we got Ford v. Ferrari, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Frozen 2. I think those are the next three major reviews yeah. after Harriet there. In terms of words of wisdom, I can't get enough. Star Wars, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Halloween. You got me. You got me buying HBO Max or whatever it's going to You got me, Entertainment World. I'm into all of it. And go see Mr. Toilet, the number two guy or whatever. Let us know if that's a real movie. Oh, guys. When reality sucks, you can... Come watch Mr. Toilet with us, or all these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you soon. See you.